Welcome in, Baylor fans, to another episode of Please Bear With Me. I'm your host, Travis Corley, and we are rolling right into Big 12 play with a big game up in Ames, Iowa versus the Iowa State Cyclones. We are going to learn a lot about this Baylor team this weekend, and I hope it's all good things. This episode, we're talking Texas State recap. Then Shahan Jayaraja of CBS Sports is joining us to talk Baylor expectations. What's up with the offense? Iowa State? And then a little segment we like to call Oh So or Oh No. Please bear with me. Welcome in once again to Please Bear With Me. I'm your host, Travis Corley, and we are kicking off this episode hearing from Dave Aranda. He was asked if kind of the outside noise, outside expectations um, have weighed on this team and if that's that's kind of been a distraction at all. So here we go, talking about what Dave talked about. Put on your boots, let's all dance. Dave Aranda had a press conference. Say howdy and yeehaw. Dave Aranda's gonna talk football. Dave's gonna talk football. I think um, I think we're still in the process of doing that. I, I you know, um, yeah. So you, we're speaking about halftime. You know, I could I could really sense in halftime just the. I think the coaches were like this. And because of that, the team was like this. And so um, I forget exactly what I said, but it was something like, just drop it, man. Like, you know. And so we, you, you, instead of being like this, you'd love to be just like that. And I just think you can play green if that's the case. And, and you know, I, the, um, I think all of that is, you know, there has to be an emphasis on... Um, growing and improvement improving and that has to be over you know um proving to others that you're that you're worthy or proving to others that that you're worth it and i think it, we might have been we might be tilted too much in this area and it needs to be more of an intrinsic thing so yeah dave kind of uh talked about the the expectations of of this team from the outside and and if they those things had kind of creeped in, and you know he referenced the first half and and going into the locker room there at halftime, and when you hear him say at the beginning there that the team was like this, you know he's he's referring to the team being tight. He's also referring to and not just the players, the coaches as well. You know he's he's clenching his fist when he says that, just to signify like the team was tight. Something, um, you know, was weighing on this team, and and I think something has been weighing on this team from from the get go. Um, and I so appreciate Dave being just so open and so honest with with who the team is and and the obstacles that the team has to overcome uh, week in 
and week out. And so I, I just so appreciate that honesty. It, it is a breath of fresh air. And I, I, I think, man, I, I really do feel like a weight was kind of lifted off of the team's shoulders in that second half. They, they came out, they played much, much better in that second half. And, and, and like coach Aranda said, like, he just said, you know, like whatever you're holding, just, just let it go, go, go play football, play green. Like he likes to say. And I, I think that's what we did in the second half. And I think that's a little bit of, of what's been holding this team back is the, the outside noise and the expectations. And he talked about that a lot last year. And I think last year's team was able to block that noise out. And you know what? Last year's team was it was a veteran group. We had, we had a lot of leaders in that locker room and I think we're still trying to find leaders on this team and and maybe that outside noise has crept in a little bit. Um but I'm I I'm hopeful that that second half was kind of us letting go of of whatever's on the outside and and just um you know, letting those expectations come from within and, and being ourselves. Um, so again, just really, really appreciate coach Aranda being so open and honest. Um, you don't get that from a lot of coaches. Put on your boots. Let's all dance. Dave Aranda had a press conference. Let's say howdy and yeehaw. Dave Aranda's going to talk football. Dave's going to talk football. Man, I really enjoy talking about what Dave talked about. I get excited every time he gets up to that podium. Um, he's so open and honest. You really never know what, what he's going to say. Um, and doesn't use a lot of coach speak. So I way appreciate that. And, you know, he, he even referenced the matrix in his press conference, uh, today, Monday, recording on a Monday. So yeah, he even referenced the matrix. And so I, uh, sent out a meme of his face on Morpheus's face saying, you know, don't let the expectations dictate your actions. And although he didn't say that word for word, I think he kind of spoke to that in, uh, in the clip I played for you to, to begin the episode. So, um, really, really excited to see this team in action and see if, if we've kind of let go of those out, outside expectations and just, uh, you know, let this team be this team and let the players be themselves. Uh, so let's jump into this Texas State review. Baylor Bears win 42-7 to first half. Uh, you know, didn't really go as as planned. I don't think that, that bred a lot of confidence in um, the fans. And as, as we heard from Coach Aranda, there wasn't a lot of confidence in that locker room as well after the half. Um, we were missing uh, Tay McWilliams. Monterey Baldwin, Ben Sims, Cole Maxwell were all out. Khalil Keith is still out and got an update kind of on those guys today. Uh, Mick Williams and Maxwell probably not going to play against Iowa State. If things go the right way, Baldwin and Sims will be back. Um, but Khalil Keith seems to be an even um, even further out. So um, not super great news, but hopefully we, we've got Baldwin and Sims back. Um, but against Texas State, you know, just, ha uh, you know, we got the win. We got what we needed to do. Uh, first half was not pretty. We were able to grind through it. I feel like we've been grinding these past couple of weeks to, uh, to, uh, to grow. And I think we will grow from that. Aranda talked about that as well. Like, you have to go through these things as a team sometimes to get better. And I, and I think that's what we're going through right now. And we're going to learn a lot 
this weekend. A lot this weekend. But, you know, happy we got the win. Played better in the second half. Uh, did we fix any of the issues that we had uh, versus BYU? I think that we began to fix those issues. A step in the right way. Uh, penalties, only had five penalties this game. Um, I believe the offense found an identity. I, I talked last week about how this offense just did not have a clear identity. I think we found that in Richard Reese and in Squirrel Williams. I think that's what, you know, that combo is going to be the identity of this offense moving forward. I know we wanted to see the, the offense open up under Shapen, and it may later on in the season, but right now we're just not there yet with the inexperience at wide receiver. So I do think we found an identity there, mainly in Richard Reese. I mean, the, the true freshman is the biggest surprise, I would say, on the entire team right now. Um, just a, a monster there at running back. Had a monster game. So, no, I don't think we solved the issues um, for sure, but I do think we took a step in the right direction and we're grinding those gears of the issues and hopefully they're going to be well oiled up this weekend. And defense, let's talk about this defensive performance. Um, I, I thought it was good. Thought it was actually very good outside of uh, some of the the uh, the passing defense uh, woes. I think in that first half, we we missed the presence of Doyle. And yes, he makes great plays. And yes, he's he's excellent at reading the play. But he also just brings a calmness to that defense because he's the one calling the plays. Um, and I think when you see Doyle in there as a teammate, you. Uh, you feel more confident, and he brings that calmness to the def defense that we missed in the first half, and we played much better with Doyle in the lineup, obviously in the second half, uh, just from his skill set, but also just from his presence. Um, TJ Franklin, I thought, had a monster game, uh, his best game of the year, um, was called for a roughing the passer, which I think was a horrendous call because he got blocked slash held into it. Um, there was a few holding calls missed in this game, but man, that one was, I felt was so obvious. Um, I sit in that end zone behind that play and man, I I'm on the second level and, and I saw it from there. So, um, not only was I upset that the hold was missed, but then they call a, a roughing the passer, um, a rough out right there. But man, uh, TJ Franklin had a monster game and then that second half, I felt like we started to finally bring some pressures on the Blitz, and um, I think we're gearing up for this weekend against Iowa State. Both of our sacks come in the second half, eight tackles for loss on the game. I finally see us kind of creating more pressure, and I think we're going to see some freaky stuff against Iowa State and, and moving forward um, on that defensive side. We definitely have to shore some things up in the defensive backfield. Uh, I didn't mention Christian Morgan earlier. I hope he's back as well because he just brings that veteran experienced presence also to that safety position like Doyle does. Um, so I, I'm really hoping to have Morgan back um, to just kind of give some stability to that defensive backfield. But Ashton Hawkins for Texas State, he killed us. I mean, 13 receptions, 114 yards, and a touchdown. Should have had like another 40-yard touchdown there to uh, in the second half. I think it was the second half. Anyways, he, he had to dive for it and just went off his hands. He beat our, our DBs again. 
Uh, so sh really should have had like 150 and two touchdowns. And that's definitely a worry heading into this Iowa State game against probably the best receiver in the Big 12 at this moment in Xavier Hutchinson. But overall, thought the defense played really well. Run defense is stout as we all expected it to be. Um, still got some work to do in the passing defense, um, but I think we can get there. I think we're going to send some more pressure uh, this coming weekend. Offensively, struggled a bit again. Um, struggled a bit again, but I do think we're on our way. Um, it is hard to pass block, um, as we've seen. Last year, we saw the pocket get moved quite a bit with Bohannon, and this year we've tried to do just a basic drop back pass and um, have struggled. The offensive line has even struggled in in that area. We are really, really missing Khalil Keith at right tackle. He is one of our, man, he's probably our second best lineman, I would say, outside of Connor Gallivan at left tackle. He is so athletic and so good in run blocking. And that right side of the line has, has sorely missed Khalil Keith. It hasn't been great, and he is uh, a ways out, is what Coach Aranda said. So, Byers is going to have to step up big this week, and it looks like for a few more weeks to come until Khalil Keith can come back. Uh, Grant Miller left the game early at right guard. That didn't help. Um, I think he's going to be back, though. Uh, I will say, though, as the second half started, I think the offensive line started to gel. And Coach Aranda also said, the offensive line has not really been playing with an edge. Uh, the offensive line hasn't been attacking uh, like they were last year. And I hope that we shore that up as well this weekend and have that offensive line really attacking that, that defensive front of Iowa State. Because, yes, I know they lost a lot of players on the defense, but that front seven is still stout for Iowa State, and, and we're playing on the road. So they're really going to have to play aggressive. And Richard Reese... Richard freaking Reese, true freshman. I mean, he should be our, our RB1. Like, that was an incredible performance by him. He does not look like a true freshman out there. He looks like he's been running behind that line for two, three years now. And I think that is an identity that we have found on offense. I'm expecting him to get a lot of carries this weekend. He may even get over 20. I would definitely say between 15 to 20. His vision is great. He hits the line of scrimmage and the hole so quickly. He is has unreal acceleration and he is a home run hitter. He can hit that home run and now we've got Squirrel and Richard Reese both as home run hitters and we know the running back room is stacked. We just kind of kind of had to have another guy outside of Squirrel Williams emerge and Richard Reese did it this weekend. Um, Seth Jones, I think, is starting to emerge as well at outside receiver. Um, he had one catch up the sideline in the first half that he was just out of bounds on, but it was a tough contested catch, so we know he can make those. And then in the second half, I believe it was the second half, um, shaping through out of our own end zone on like a third and 15, um, that was 100% a catch. I'm not sure how that was ruled as not a catch, but also a, a fantastic throw from Shapin and a fantastic catch, yes, catch from Seth Jones. I was disappointed that got um, overturned. But guys, I, I really do think something is is starting to click on offense. It hasn't, you know, completely clicked, but 
I think we can see the the outline of what this offense can be. And so, like moving forward, I think what we'll see from this offense is Richard Reese is going to lead the team in carries. We're going to see Baldwin get jet sweeps and get vertical. We're going to give Seth Jones chances on the outside. And then, of course, uh, Ben Sims is kind of the monkey wrench. He is that uh, reliable tight end that Shapin can find. Um, he is our most proven pass catcher, for sure, by a long shot. And we use him in, in a lot of different ways. So that is kind of the outline I see going forward for this team. And I hope that we also will give uh, Shapin some chances to throw on the run a little bit more. If we're not able to just do a straight drop back pass and, and pass block that, then you know he's very good at throwing on the run. He can do it. He's very accurate. Uh, he had a few of those uh, this past weekend against Texas State, so we may see him get on the move a little bit more as well. And that music means it is time to award the oh-so-good player of the game. No shocker here, Richard Reese, 19 carries, 156 yards, 3 touchdowns, also had 1 catch for 17 yards. He has truly emerged out of that backfield as a true freshman. That is just wild. A true freshman leading your Bears and rushing against Texas State. Honorable mention, Al Walcott led the team in tackles with nine, had two tackles for loss. And then TJ Franklin thought he had his best game yet this year, five tackles, half a sack, and half a tackle for loss. You know what, let's keep that music going as I welcome in our guest this week, Shahan Jayaraja. Folks, help me give a warm welcome to CBS College Football writer and co-host of the College Football Survivor Show, Jahan Jayaraja. How you doing today? How are we feeling? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, I'm, I'm happy you're here. And how about this college football season so far? Had some big upsets last week, um, some close calls. Uh, well, big upsets two weeks ago, some close calls this, this past week. How are we feeling about the season so far? I think it's been great. You know, I think that once you get past sort of that, you know, there's that sort of top group, maybe Georgia's just better than everybody else. But once you get past that, everything's been thrown up in the air. We've already seen Utah lose to a Florida team that might not be very good. Uh, we've seen Clemson struggle. We've seen Oklahoma look really good. Like, who knows? We, we really might see a complete reshuffling of that sort of four through 12 group every single week. And then you talk about some of these upsets that have happened. The Sun Belt obviously having a great week in week two. It's pretty unbelievable. I, I don't think that I expected things to be so competitive right away. Yeah, and it's good to see, especially with this 12-team playoff coming soon. Um, you know, that's always in the back of my head this year, just thinking about, man, this this could really shake things up this year, um, and, and hopefully that comes soon. Uh, but, Sean, the reason we're all here, we're, we're all Baylor fans here, uh, you included. And so let's talk a little Baylor football. Uh, how did you feel about Baylor entering the Texas State game? And then how did you feel after the Texas State game? 
Well, I think the biggest thing that I wanted to see in that Texas State game was I wanted to see a little bit more from Blake Shapin. I, I wanted to see that passing game kind of come together, uh, you know, because I really felt pretty good about the running game coming out of BYU. Obviously, it was a little bit of a slog. It was a little bit of a struggle. But I mean, when you are at, being Baylor, you know, when you are a team that is running the ball 50 times in one game against a you know top 20 opponent, and you're still having consistent success, that's pretty impressive. I, I don't really have a lot of questions about that. Uh, obviously, it was great that we did get to see Richard Reese come out and have a great game as a true freshman, but I wanted to see some stuff in the passing game. And to be honest, I, I didn't feel like I saw it. I, I didn't feel like I saw what I hoped to see. Some of that was some of the receivers who missed the game. Obviously, Monterey Baldwin did not play in that game. Ben Sims is such a huge part of the passing offense but I felt like it was an opportunity for some other guys to step up and have big games and I, I don't really feel like I saw that I, I think that you know Blake Shapin had a couple of moments I, I don't think it's just Blake Shapin right I think that a lot of it is the receivers look young they don't look like they know where they're supposed to be all the time uh, and some of these concepts just aren't working maybe to the extent that we thought that they'd happen but you know look uh, pulling away in the second half there was no question in my mind that Baylor was going to pull away I, I wasn't that worried about that but um you know, I just think that right now, this is not a passing offense that has a lot of explosiveness like we hoped. And, uh, my, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of factors that go into that and a lot of factors that can be fixed as well. I don't think that this is a an existential problem necessarily, but they're going to have to do a better job, I think, of of getting Blake Shapin in space, getting him on the move. Uh, I thought that it was great that we finally saw him pull on one of those uh, speed options. You know, we haven't seen that as yet. And we saw how easy a play it was when he did on that touchdown run. But, uh, you know, I really hope to see a little bit more from the passing game. And unfortunately, I was a little disappointed. Yeah, I think we're, we're all had that expectations of this offense is going to be opened up much more with Blake Shapin. And for for whatever reason, we just haven't seen it, whether that's Monterey Baldwin being out for the last two weeks, whether that's um, Ben Sims being out last week, whether that's the youth at the outside receiver positions uh, could be all three. And, uh, you know, just hoping that going into this Iowa State game that we find some sort of answer in the passing game. I'm hoping Baldwin is going to be available. I think he's our best passing threat. I think he's our best offensive weapon. And so to get him back on the field, I think is going to be crucial. Um, I do think that we're starting to see a little bit of development of chemistry between Blake Shapin and Seth Jones. Um I, I, we had a, a rail up the sideline to the field that was just out of bounds that uh, that Seth caught, but was just out of bounds. And then we had a third and long that was for whatever reason overturned. Um, I believe I really think that was a catch. Not sure how it got overturned. I was at yeah, the game. I, I'd so, agree. I'd agree. <laughs> yeah, I, I was at the game, so didn't get to see the replay, but seemed. Seemed like it was a catch, especially from from everyone's reaction too. So, uh, you know, hoping the 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 uh, insertion of Baldwin and Sims back into that lineup against Iowa State is, is going to help shore that up. And did anything just surprise you coming out of that Texas State game at all? No, you know, I, I think that for me, I really liked Richard Reese as a prospect coming out, but the fact that he's so ready was pretty unbelievable to me. You know, I, I think that yeah. uh, it, Travis Roder after the game, great, uh, great Baylor follow kind of said it. 
they know what they have in Craig Williams. They know that he can be that kind of difference maker. And they were looking for somebody else to step up, especially, you know, it sounds like Tate McWilliams is probably questionable heading into that Iowa State game. You need some more guys to get in that running back room. And, and Richard Reese looks like an upperclassman already. He did a great oh, job of finding holes. Uh, he had obviously explosive plays. Uh, I, I remember talking to Jeff Grimes whenever he first took over this offense. And I, I asked him, what are you looking for in a running back? And he kind of said, we don't need this whole package. We don't need a B. John Robinson. We don't need something like that. We just need somebody who will be patient. And when the hole opens up, you hit it with all of your might. Right. And so I think that <laughs> we, we saw Abram Smith last year, you know, playing fearlessly. Right. He, he's a former linebacker. We saw him playing that role like a linebacker. I thought that Richard Reese actually did a really good job of playing aggressively into those holes. You know, it's, it's going to take some time. Um, you know, I think that it would have been a great game to have Tay McWilliams in the lineup to kind of get a little bit more used to things. But the fact that he's already playing well so early, I, I think it's huge for this Baylor offense. And, you know, I, I think that defensively, look, this, this run defense is what we expected, but mm -hmm. it is special to watch. You know, I mean, I, I think that you only have to go and watch uh, in that next game. You know, BYU was able to kind of keep the ball moving on the ground uh, against Oregon. And so I think that uh, I, I think that this is really going to be an elite rush defense. I think they're going to make things very difficult. Now the question is just going to be, can they grow up some of those secondary players who had some lapses? Yeah. But but uh, but I think that, you know, part of that is, is just Texas State schemes that up so well. And they had a great receiver in Hawkins. Like I, I'm not super worried about that, especially against big 12 opponents. But, uh, but I think that, you know, that, that front is everything that we thought it's going to be. And, and I think that's a pretty special place to start. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on the defensive backfield. I think if there is a weakness in that defense, it, it's in the backfield just from a, a lack of, of experience. And we saw that a little bit with, with Hawkins. I mean, I think you, he, he went for over hundred yards receiving, had an excellent game. Um, and, and that's going to be crucial coming up this weekend because right now, uh, Xavier Hutchinson for for Iowa State is is playing as the best receiver in the Big 12, in, in my opinion. And we'll get into that a little bit later. I, I promise we will. Uh, but I, I really want to kind of take a step back um, uh, and, and talk about this Baylor team. Just like what were your expectations for the year? Um, like have they changed at all now through three games? Um, is Baylor ahead or or behind schedule, would you say? It's interesting. I think that for me, my expectation was always that they'd be the favorite to win the Big 12, which I think that they're still in that conversation. They're still right there at the top, I think. Uh, and I think that the other part of that to me was that I thought that they had a chance to go through with maybe only one or two losses. Uh, you know, I, I think that after losing that BYU game, I'm probably leaning more towards the two losses, right? Losing yeah. a game in conference play. I, I just think the top looks really competitive right now. Uh, obviously, you have to look over at Oklahoma. I think that they've looked really good so far. Haven't really played anybody, but I think they've looked really good so far. Oklahoma State, sort of the same deal. You know, they, they really, I think, uh, you know, defensively still seem to have it. They, they've done some nice things offensively too. So I think it's probably that three-team group so far. Maybe Texas gets in the conversation maybe Kansas State can get their heads out of their butts after oh, what man. they pulled last week against yeah. Tulane making me look real dumb for having faith in them <laughs> but uh but you know I, I think that it's a very competitive Big 12 hell I, I mean you got to throw on that right like legitimately Kansas is going to be a very difficult team to deal with legitimate TCU Iowa State I think has looked better than I expected like I Same. think that I, I think that I thought that this Big 12 was going to be pretty good but I think it might be great. Like, I think that it might be top to bottom, one of the toughest leagues in the country. And so, you know, the, the chances of going through with only one loss in big 12 play or no losses is 
probably a little too much to ask, but there's definitely a path to the Big 12 championship game. There's definitely an opportunity to win the Big 12 again, uh, get back to a New Year's Six Bowl, something like that. And so I, I think that all that's open. The biggest thing that I will say, though, and it's not necessarily losing to BYU that has me feeling this way. I, I think that for me, the floor is a little lower than I thought it was going to be. I thought that this was like somewhere between nine and 11 wins, right? Like that's kind of what I saw as the regular season uh, situation. I think that it, it's not that much lower. I think it's probably down to eight instead of nine as like the floor, which like, I, I mean, come it's on, still that's, great. That's, yeah. That, that's still pretty dang good. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think that I assumed that they'd be able to make up some of those gaps left by uh, Gary Bohannon in the running game with more explosive passing. If that's not going to happen, then I, I think that that really does kind of put a cap on, on what you think that this team can accomplish. Now, I believe that the staff thinks that they can be exposed from the passing game. I think that they do believe that they have those weapons. Uh, and again, obviously Monterey Baldwin is going to be a big part of that, but I, I mean, we haven't seen it from other receivers, right? We haven't seen it. Uh, you know, I think that a receiver who I expected to have a big start to the year was Hal Presley. He's, mm -hmm. he's been a little inconsistent so far. You know, Seth Jones, I think, has been really good. I, I'd like to see Josh Fleeks a little more at, at a pure receiver because I yeah. think that they have some guys at running back. Uh, you know, a guy who's kind of disappeared on me, and, and maybe there's uh, in, in the Baylor, you know, sort of Twitterverse, maybe they know a little bit more. I was waiting for Jalen Ellis, you know, I was waiting for yeah. him to kind of step up and, and he hasn't really played hardly at all for Baylor this year. So they need to grow those guys up. They need to be a little bit more dynamic. Um, it, it's not one player. It's a whole unit issue. And, uh, and again, I think that they believe that they have those talents, but if they don't like, just if they don't, then, you know, this probably isn't a team that's going to win the big 12, just because I think that uh, that the floor underneath them of Gary running the ball is probably yeah. not the same without, uh, without him in the lineup. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a fair statement. And kind of, which brings me to my next question is since those receivers are kind of taking a little bit to, to get inundated, does this offense need Blake Shapin to run more? I, I think they do. So I think, the thing that's going to be interesting is, you know, when you're thinking of BYU, right? When you're thinking of that program and how they run things, this, you know, this offense came from BYU, right? Jeff Grimes, Eric Mateos, they, they came straight off that tree. BYU defends that every day in practice. They know how to deal with some of this wide zone concept. Um, so I don't think every team is going to be as able to crash the outside, for example, as BYU is. I think that they're kind of uniquely poised to be able to do that, both in terms of personnel and in terms of practice habits. Uh, but I, I do think that you need to have that option available to you. It, it was obvious in that BYU game that Blake Shapin did not trust that he could get to the edge if he pulled the ball, right? And and part of that is scheme. Part of that is is what uh, what BYU was able to do. And also just, by the way, how physical that game was. Yeah, like, no kidding. I, I wouldn't have pulled the ball if I was Blake <laughs> Shapin. I, I don't want to, I don't want that smoke, but, uh, but you have to do that, right? You have to do that at times um, in big 12 play. And, you know, you might get hit hard. You kind of have to live with that, right? And so, um, I think that that's definitely something that, that he needs to do a little more of. I, I think that maybe if they can get him also some designed run stuff, because the problem isn't that he's fast, right? I mean, he's a baseball player. You see yeah. that speed at times. Uh, you saw it on the touchdown run. I mean, yeah. I, I, I was right there with the, with the camera, <laughs> with the camera. completely lost. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I think that, I think that they do need to get him involved in some ways. Uh, you know, it just, 
even if you insert some packages for Chiron drones to just kind of get that aspect in your offense, right? Like, I, I just think that you need to have that kind of threat if you don't necessarily know that you're going to be able to pass block at an elite level, right? We, we've seen the run blocking. The run blocking is absolutely elite. Um, you know, I, I think that seeing what we've seen this year versus seeing what we saw last year, you know, so much of Gary Bohannon uh, and this, the way that they schemed up pass blocking for him was bootlegs and movement and, and things like that. It was pretty rare for him to stand in the pocket for three seconds, right? And And I think that you're starting to see part of the reason why it's a lot harder to block for three seconds mm, uh, and, and, and let things develop downfield. Even if you have a good offensive line, it's just a different type of blocking. So I'm going to be curious to see how they do that. Again, I think that just with the way that BYU was defending uh, Baylor's passing game, they were really kind of crashing that outside and making it difficult to maybe move the pocket, which is something that I think that they might do a little bit more of, but you know, that's, that's kind of a, something that they have to do. They, they have to find a way to not uh, have Blake shape and just kind of be a pocket quarterback. You know, he needs to do well in the pocket too. He needs to stand up there as well, but, but I think they also need to find ways to move the pocket and also get him on the move just so that, you know, if you are an edge rusher, you don't know necessarily where he's going to be. Yeah. I I think that's a great point about moving the pocket because I think what this offense, you know, is missing is a little bit of that rush attack from the quarterback position. And you said it like Blake, he can run. Like we even saw that last year when he came in, he made some big runs for us. Now he needs to learn to slide a little bit better, but uh, you know, I'm hoping to shore that up, but yeah. And, and even him throwing on the run, I mean, he is excellent throwing on the run, even against uh, Texas state. He made some throws on the run where I was like, yeah, that is like more of that, please more of that, please. And so, you know, I, I'm hoping that maybe just with the offense through three games, maybe we were trying to see, if we could let Shapin just stand in the pocket and, and make throws. And maybe we'll see that adjustment now where we're not doing straight drop back passing, uh, moving on to the rest of the year. Cause I think, yeah, I, I'm thinking that, or I'm hoping that, you know, through three games, we were just trying to figure out our base stuff, see what we had. And uh, like Aranda said, you know, simple, um, God, what does he say? Now I'm blanking on it. Um, so we'll just move on. Um, yeah, well, and and just one last thing on that, you know, I think I think one thing to remember is, you know, when you think of quarterbacks and when you think of quarterback mechanics, things like that, uh, I mean, we've seen the influence of Patrick Mahomes and, and sort of the baseball style quarterback, right? So much over the past couple of years, you know, it, it used to be obviously very kind of plant mainline sort of stuff. You know, watch watch Patrick Mahomes in the NFL, watch Josh Allen in the NFL, watch Kyler Murray in the NFL, right? These are baseball players like Blake Shapin is. And, you know, Blake Shapin was a shortstop. Like, you can kind of see that in his game. He's so comfortable throwing on the move of, of having that torque on his body on not having his feet set the, the same way because of what he's done on the baseball field. And so I, I think that we're going to start to see a little bit more of that as they maybe free him up a little bit. Again, not all this is Blake Shapin's fault, right? Like yeah. I think the receivers need to get more separation. I think that, you know, the line is trying to figure itself out a little bit, especially without Khalil Keith in the lineup. Mm. Um, you know, but, but I think that, I think that we'll probably start to see a little more of that and hopefully we'll start to see him have a little bit more freedom also, uh, you know, when they kind of feel like, okay, we know that he knows the offense. We know he can trust him. And you know what? We kind of need to take some shots because that just opens up the field. For sure. For sure. I agree. I would like to see us take some more shots downfield um, for sure. 
And simple ain't easy. That is what I was trying to say. Coach Randa <laughs> says simple ain't easy. Uh, there we go. I knew I knew it was in there somewhere. Just had to rack the brain a little bit. And before we move on to Iowa State, you know, we talked you, you talked a little bit about the Big 12 just being so good this year. And like, honestly, I feel like every year we come into the Big 12 and we say, oh, it's going to be so hard. Like it's a gauntlet. You know, every every game is is going to be tough. And like, I just feel like that is so true this year more than ever. We say it every year but I'm saying it again, like I am on record saying, I think that the big 12 championship is going to feature two teams with multiple losses. And we've seen Kansas maybe have one of the best quarterbacks in the big 12. Like, could you see an, a, a, a route to multiple loss teams in the big 12 championship? Oh, most definitely. I mean, one thing that I'll point to, right. is like, Imagine being West Virginia right now, right? West Virginia in their non-conference slate had a hated rival in Pitt. They have Virginia Tech this week, which is a pretty tough game. And then they have Towson. Well, they lost to Kansas. All right, so they got one win. (laughs) Where are the wins on the rest of the schedule, right? Like at all. I I mean, you know, they play Texas Tech on the road. That's pretty tough. Virginia Mm. Tech's on the road. Texas is on the road. Iowa State's on the road. Oklahoma State's on the road. Like, I'm not saying they're going to go like two and 10, but like, that's how quickly this can turn. I, I yeah. remember a couple of years ago, uh, you know, in, in 2014, 15, 16, that kind of range. And like, I remember, right. Because when you're a great team uh, in, in a conference like this, like if, if you're, you know, whatever, if you're 2014 Baylor, if you're 2017, Oklahoma, one of those teams, then like, you're kind of like half ahead above everybody else. And like, you can kind of let them battle it out. But if there's not that team, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of hell, right? Like, cause you can kind of lose almost any given week. It would not surprise me if Baylor lost to any team in this big 12. Now Same. they're going to be, they're going to be favored in, you know, seven or whatever games, right? Like, so they're going to be fine, but this is where good programs, great coaches, great, uh, great game management, that sort of thing really comes to the forefront, uh, you, you know, and so I'm going to be very curious to see. I think there's absolutely a path uh, for for not just teams that have multiple losses, but to have like three losses, wow. right, potentially, wow. just because I think it's going to be so difficult. Now, again, what we've seen from Oklahoma so far has been pretty elite. Maybe that gives them an opportunity to, to only have one, but I mean, you know, Oklahoma hasn't been tested either, right? You know, it's just Nebraska so far. Exactly. So I, I don't know. I'm going to be very curious. And uh, and I think that, you know, this is going to be, I mean, I don't even think that there's a, another conference that's close. This is going to be the most competitive conference in college football this year. Yeah, I, I would say kind of outside of that Kansas State loss this past weekend that the teams that have been challenged have have risen to the challenge. They may not have won the game, but they've risen to the challenge. And the teams that haven't been challenged have kind of rolled. Um, So, man, I'm really, really excited to get some Big 12 games started this weekend, including your Baylor Bears visiting the Iowa State Cyclones in Ames. What were your expectations first for Iowa State this year? Because I was a little bit like, I didn't really know what to think about this team. They lost so much production. Um, So I didn't really know what to think of this team. I think they've impressed me. Um, more than I thought they would. I think they're ahead of schedule of what I thought they would, but tell me what your expectations for this Iowa State team were this year. 
Well, I think that I knew that they'd have a chance to be pretty good defensively. They brought back a couple of guys on the defensive line. Obviously, uh, you know, Will and sorry, not Will Anderson. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking Will on McDonald. the. On- Will McDonald. Yeah. There we go. Uh, chief among them. But I think that I'm surprised. I'm sorry. There, listen, I've, I've talked about Will McDonald so much this season. Or now I'm doing it backwards. Will Anderson so much this season. You guys know who I mean. It's fine. Uh, but I, I think that you kind of figured that their culture would come through and they would have a couple of known commodities like uh, like him kind of at defensive end at edge rusher. Right. And so and then offensively, I was a little concerned because so much of their offense last year was Brees Hall and was Charlie Kolar, yep. you know, and forget Brock Purdy. who was pretty good for them. Like at quarterback, you know, really it was Charlie Kolar who was that guy and some of those other tight ends as well, who really played such a big part in how they played football. You know, we knew when Hunter Deckers came in at quarterback that he'd have an opportunity to be more dynamic in the passing game, right? He, he has a bigger arm than uh, than what you saw from Brock Purdy. We got to see that a little bit on display against UNLV last year. And so you kind of felt like, well, you know, it's, it's going to be some more mistakes, but it's probably going to come with a lot more upside. And we've obviously seen that upside come through with Xavier Hutchinson. I mean, like you said, one of the best receivers mm. in the Big 12 so far. I, I knew he was good, but it's one of those things, right? Where once you put him with a quarterback who can get him the ball downfield, just a totally different game. And so I'm going to be really curious to see how Baylor plays Xavier Hutchinson, right? Because I I feel like he's almost one of those receivers at this point that you just kind of need to bracket, right? Like you kind of just need to, to dare everybody else to beat them. And, you know, Jared Russ is, is, a player for them at tight end, but he's not a pass catcher, right? That's not really what he's trying to do. He's played almost more of a fullback role for most of his career. And now has kind of get gotten elevated with, with Charlie Kohler gone. So for me, that, that's, I think the plan, right? You have to take away Xavier Hutchinson and you have to do it without taking away from the box. Cause you still have to be, uh, you, you still have to be able to compete in the box. That, that's going to be, I think the biggest struggle for Baylor. And, and look, they're probably going to get beat over the top one or two times, but I think that you make that sacrifice in order to, to keep your numbers in the box and, and still be able to kind of add extra help to Hutchinson. So yeah, can tough. you stop, can you stop Hutchinson or is it more like you can only hope to contain him? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that you have to know that you're going to get burned at some point, right? This is an NFL receiver yeah. and uh, it, you know, and, and I love, by the way, you know, I, I had these preconceived notions back in the day of what a, what a wide receiver one looks like, right? You know, you kind of think of him as being Calvin Johnson, you know, somebody who's going to go big, go over the top, but in like Xavier Hutchinson is a big player, but like he is so fast and he is so shifty and he runs routes so well it's special you know these these are special types of receivers and i think that you start seeing more of these guys come into the slots and and really cause a lot of damage and create space so i i don't think you can totally take him away but i think that you have to try to limit him i i don't think that you can kind of let him run free and try to shut down everybody else because i think they'll keep going to him you know we've yeah. seen that so far uh i think that oh man I, my friend uh stats war on twitter parker uh he had a stat that was like I think that that he's one of like eight receivers with over 40% target share so far My goodness. Uh, in college football. So like they feed it to him. They will keep going back to him over and over again. So it, it's going to be a good challenge. And then on the other side, again, like big, big, big test for Blake Shapen, I think, because, you know, we know what Iowa State has up front. They don't have to commit extra help to stopping the run. They're going to be able to to kind of 
drop back seven or eight and, and kind of let Blake shape and try to figure it out. So this is going to be a chance for him, I think, to, to try to prove that he's taken a step. I, I think that it's a big opportunity for Baylor's receivers to try to win some one-on-one matchups, get into space, but it's going to be hard. I mean, this is a pretty tough matchup if, if Hunter Deckers is as good as he's been through these first three games. Now, Look, obviously, they, they didn't play that way against Iowa, who's one of the best defenses in college football. And the other two games are, you know, Ohio and, and SEMO, right? So, like, it's early. It's still really early. We don't Very. necessarily know what, what, the, what the ceiling is for this team. But I think that you have to know that you're, you're going to have to score with this team in order to keep up. And, and it's not going to be easy. So, tough matchup. One that I thought that, that Bale would probably be, you know, the, not that they'd cruise to, to victory in it, but I thought that they'd be pretty overwhelming favorites. I still think Baylor's going to win the game, but it's going to be a lot more competitive. Yeah, I, I think this game is a lot closer than I thought it was going to be three weeks ago. I think Baylor is, is behind schedule in my mind, and I think Iowa State is is much better, um, especially offensively. I, you know, like yeah. you said, no questions about their defense was was going to be um, maybe not as good as last year, but still very good. Um, Will McDonald may end up being play, uh, defensive player of the year in the Big 12 there. But, yeah, I mean, very impressed with Deckers. They seem to be throwing it a lot more. And that stat about, I mean, 40% target to Hutchinson is um, is pretty telling. Like, I think that is the matchup to watch for this weekend. And, yeah, I, I still think the Bears will win. And – Kind of thinking back to last year and 2019, Iowa State was kind of like the catapult, if you if you will, for Baylor. Um, a, a big win in 2019, which catapulted us to a New Year's Six. And then last year, um, no one really knew what to think about this Baylor team. And then to beat that Iowa State team, um, a big win. That catapulted us to, uh, you know, 12 wins, a program program record. So, um, Sean, you are an awesome guest because I had like four or five questions about Iowa State and you literally answered them in like that awesome soliloquy that you had. So thank you. And now it's time for a segment we like to call Oh So or Oh No. Before I let you go, we have a little segment we're doing this year called Oh So or Oh No. And this is how it works. If you agree, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out a statement. If you agree with the statement, you're going to say Oh So. And if you disagree, you'll say Oh No. You can, you can explain to me what your answer is or you cannot. It is up to you. But we're going to play a little Oh So or Oh No, and then we'll let you get out of here. How's it sound? Sounds great. I, I mean, you know me. It- like you said, I, I'm not going to probably just leave it at one word. Hey, that's that's why I left us with like 10 minutes for this <laughs> this segment. So uh, I'm I'm hoping for it. I'm hoping for it. So uh, Richard Reese is Baylor's best running back. Oh, so or oh, no. I'm going to say, oh, no, it, it's still very early. I think that Squirrel Williams is still probably the sort of the most explosive guy. But but Richard Reese is going to factor into the rotation, which I think is a huge step. Yeah, I'm I'm impressed with Richard Reese. I'm going oh so. I think he's okay. our best running back. And hey, we we had a disagreement last year about Baylor running backs, and and we know how that turned out. So uh, it was with me being right. <laughs> um, all right, Reese will have twenty plus carries versus Iowa State. Oh so or oh no? 
I'm going to go, oh, no, but it's going to be close. I, I think that he's probably going to have like 17 or so, and then they're going to kind of spread it out outside of that. Oh, no, for me as well. I, th- I, I agree with exactly what you just said. Baylor will have a receiver go for over 50 yards. Oh, no, for me. I think it needs to be Oso. Like it needs to be Oso. I, I don't be. know. Yeah. I, I think that if Monterey Baldwin's back, maybe you hit an explosive play to him. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, also if Ben Sims is back, right? Mm. Like, uh, I, I don't know if he counts as being a receiver in terms <laughs> of answering this question, but, but Ben Sims, I think to me is, you know, he's, I, I don't want to make lofty comparisons that's, you know, that he can't live up to, but like he is, I mean, they see the best tight end in the Big 12 right now. He is playing off the charts, and, and I think that he's going to be very important for, uh, for Blake Shapin. Agreed. Really hoping Ben Sims is back for Iowa State. And, man, I think Baylor's going to need some type of explosive play to win this game, whether it is you know in the receiving game or whether it's a, a defensive touchdown, something like that. Um, Baylor's longest touchdown will be over 35 yards. Oh, so for me. I think we do it. I'll go with Oso, uh, you know, similar to Baylor, Iowa State's biggest deficiencies and inexperience is in the secondary. And so I think that they probably get behind them once because grinding out four quarters against that front is probably going to be pretty difficult. Mm. Xavier Hutchinson will have 100 yards receiving. I'm going to go Oso. I I think he's just one of those players that you're going to struggle to stop. But if it's an inefficient hundred yards, I think you take that. If it's like, you know, I I mean, if, if his game, obviously you don't want to too much. (laughs) If his game is, is sort of like what that Hawkins receiver was like for Texas state, then like, I think that you live with that, but I mean, you really don't want to give up big plays if you can. Yeah. Like we said, this is the matchup of the game for me. Um, I'm going, Oh no, though. I think we're going to throw some freaky stuff in on defense. I think our defensive game plan is really going to revolve around Hutchinson. I'm putting my trust in Dave Aranda and and Ron Roberts. I'm going, Oh no. Um, but he's going to have like 80 between 80 and hundred. I'm calling it. Um, let's see here. Iowa state's longest touchdown will be over 35 yards. I'm going to go Oso. I think that there probably is an explosive Hunter Deckers touchdown in there somewhere. Um, But I think that a big part of it is going to be that they need to take shots because they aren't able to get consistent offense. Oso for me as well. And last one here, Baylor will win. I'm going to go with Oso. Uh, This is a tough place to play under Matt Campbell, especially, right? Like you kind of said, this was... This was the the linchpin game in a lot of ways in 2019 and 2021. And, you know, Baylor's, you know, struggled there a little bit since Campbell has come. Obviously, you know, Iowa State's been a really good team over that time period. We're going to learn as much about Iowa State this weekend Mm. as we are about Baylor, right? Because... Obviously, you know, Iowa State has the impressive victory over Iowa. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, actually. Uh, do you know how many yards Xavier Hutchinson finished with against Iowa? Oh, I think it was 98. 98 was that yards. His 98? So, yeah. yeah, so so he would have uh, just fallen short there. <laughs> and and I was I was a better secondary, but probably not quite as good a front as, as what Baylor's got. So it's kind of a different sort of dynamic. It's going to be interesting. 
but I, I think that this is a game where Baylor kind of fixes some of their problems where they, they kind of limit things. I think that they, maybe they force a turnover too. I mean, <clears throat> the thing that you mentioned too, right. is like, I don't think that there's going to be anything that they can throw at Xavier Hutchinson that, that he's not ready for. I do think there are things that they can throw at Hunter Deckers that yes. he's not going to be ready for. You know, this is, it's a different type of defense. I think they're going to get different types of pressure. Deckers, was you know he completed 66 percent of his pass against iowa but two interceptions very inefficient um you know i think that you want him to i i think you want to bait him into a position where he's just like taking a step back and looking for hutchinson right because i think that that's the sort of game plan i mean that's basically what happened against iowa right and, yeah, and they won 10-7 yeah. and that's enough but uh but i think that that's kind of what they need to be doing so I think that Baylor wins this game, but it is going to be a very difficult game, much more difficult than I think uh, I expected once, you know, when this game was scheduled. Oh, so for me as well, agree with, with everything you just said, ditto. Um, where do you think the score ends up? What, what's the range there? Are you thinking? Uh, well, uh, not that I'd ever advocate gambling, but bet the under, if you do gamble, uh, it's going to be, <laughs> what is the over under? Oh, that's a good question. I'm sure it's pretty low. Uh, I, for the record, even though I write about gambling all the time, I have not taken the plunge because I just, uh, don't blame I, you. I don't blame it's, you. The, the over under is 45.5. That's Ooh, pretty low. That's pretty low, man. That's pretty that's low. low. That's like tw- I, I, 21, that's, 24 is still under, but yeah, like, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty low. I, I think though I'm going to. I, I think that I'd lean the under. I think that I'm going to say that it's something like Baylor 21, Iowa State 16, something like that. Mm, mm, love that score. I could see that happening for sure. Um, hey, Shahan, that's all I've got for you, man. Any last thoughts before we let you go? No, I mean it's it's funny. I feel like uh, I feel like this is the first time in a while at Baylor because 2019 you have a Big 12 finalist. 2020 is just a disaster season. 2021 they win the thing. Like this is such a weird place to be where it's kind of like because because I felt like all of those seasons I knew what was going to happen every game, right? Like they were just going to win those games or they were going to lose those games. Yeah. But like this is this is going to be an interesting season. Uh, you know, I, I think that we're going to learn a lot about Baylor in this process. I think we're going to learn a lot about Blake Shapin. You know, I, I personally have ultimate trust in the coaching staff. I think it's one of the best staffs in all of college football. So I have confidence that they're going to make the right decisions, scheme it up the right way. But it, it's a good test, man. This is a good, good, good test to start out with. And and I think that uh, if Baylor can win comfortably in this game and, and go in with some momentum, I think that all of a sudden things look really exciting. Ladies and gentlemen, Sean J. Raja, if you have not already checked out the college football play, uh, college football playoff survivor show, the college that, football survivor show, so college football survivor and, show. And, and I make that distinction because we did originally call it the college football playoff yeah, show and we got a cease and desist. And you got a what? We got a cease and desist oh. for, for calling it the college football <laughs> playoff show. But, you know, it, it was that's all right. It was fun. We kind of figured it might happen at some point. So it's uh, all take it. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, man. Well, hey, thanks for joining us and uh, Sigmund Bears. And now the bare necessities. 
bare necessities for a Baylor win this weekend. Number one, contain Xavier Hutchinson. He is the best wide receiver in the Big 12 up until this point in the season. He is averaging over 100 yards receiving per game. You heard from Shahan, he's got over 40% of the target share for Iowa State. We know where the ball is going to go on offense when they need a big play. I'm not sure we can stop him, but I do think we can contain him and make them beat us in other ways, which I think is crucial this weekend. Secondly, the offensive line has to play with an edge and to attack. Dave Aranda said they've done a poor job of that up until this point in the season, and we need that offensive line to get the run game going early, get Squirrel Williams going early, get Richard Reese going early, and that's going to alleviate pressure on Blake Shapin and the wide receivers. Offensive line got to attack. Game prediction. Yes, what is your game prediction? I will tell you right now. All right, so as you've already heard earlier, Shahan and I both think the Bears are going to win, and I'm with him. I think this is going to be a one-score game, but I do think the Bears are going to pull it out. Iowa State is 3-0, and their biggest win coming at Iowa, 10-7. to You know, Matt Campbell seems to have success uh, with the when the expectations are a little bit lower, they've got that solid defense, even though they lost a lot. The offense is a little bit more pass heavy with Xavier Hutchinson, as he was uh, themed in this week's bare necessities. Uh, but I think the Baylor defense schemes up to schemes up a way to limit Hutchinson. Deckers is going to make a few key mistakes, and Baylor finds its footing also with Richard Reese and learns from the BYU trip. Baylor sneaks out with a 24-20 win in Ames, Iowa. Big 12 picks for the week. Last week, I went 4-3, which brings my total to 8-6-1. Where I was right, BU, minus 31. Beat Texas State 42-7. to OU minus 13 and a half. Who beat Nebraska 49-14. to OU looks like they're rolling, but they have not played any competition yet. So interested to see what happens this weekend. I was also correct on Iowa State minus 21. They beat Ohio 43-10. I was also right about Kansas. Yes, I was right about Kansas. They were getting plus nine and a half points, and they beat Houston 48 to 30. My goodness. Watch out for the Kansas Jayhawks, but where I was wrong. I had Kansas State minus 16 and a half, and they lost outright to Tulane. And probably the shocker of the weekend in the Big 12. Tulane walks into the Kansas State Wildcat Stadium. It beats Kansas State. I was also wrong. I had chosen Tech plus nine and a half, and they lost by 13 to NC State. And then UTSA at 21, Texas. I had UTSA plus 13 and a half points. They lost 41 to 20. So four and three last week. And let's roll right on into this week. I'm going to keep that winning record going. We'll start with our game, number 17, Baylor, visiting Iowa State. 
I've seen lines all over the place um, for BU, for Iowa State, uh, but Caesar Sportsbook on ESPN is giving Baylor two and a half points, so I am taking that. Give me Baylor plus two and a half. West Virginia at Virginia Tech playing on a Thursday night. West Virginia minus two and a half points. Uh, don't have much trust in them right now, so give me Virginia Tech plus the two and a half points. TCU visits Southern Methodist University and Sonny Dykes returns to the old stomping grounds. Uh, TCU minus one point. I think they win, so give me TCU minus the one point. Duke, 3-0 Duke, visits 3-0 Kansas, the Big 12 leading 3-0 Kansas, and I have been right picking Kansas in week two and week three. So I am rolling with Kansas again at home. Minus nine points. Give me the Jayhawks. Number 22 UT visiting Texas Tech. Man, I'm excited to watch this one. Um, a tough loss from Tech last week. I think they bounce back. Maybe they don't win, but I do think they are within, what, six and a half points. Yeah, so give me Tech plus six and a half points. And then Kansas State is visiting OU. I think number six, OU. And OU is rolling, and Kansas State comes off of a lackluster performance. OU minus 13 points, and I am taking the Sooners. Thanks for listening this week. Thank you to Shahan Raja for joining me. Always a good guest. Always knowledgeable. Always fun. And once you're done listening here, pop on over to the College Football Survivor Show and, uh, and give it a listen. I promise you won't be disappointed. Baylor Bears heading up to Ames for a very, very good test. Are we going to learn from our mistakes at BYU? Is that offensive line going to play with an edge and attack? Can we limit Xavier Hutchinson on the outside? We will soon find out this weekend. And I think we're going to find out a lot about this Baylor team in Ames. Should be a hell of a game. Real excited for this one to kick off Big 12 play. And that's all for me. This is Travis Corley saying stay safe and sick em bears. The Please Bear With Me podcast was created by Scotty Swingler, is hosted and produced by Travis Corley in affiliation with 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated.